Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Únese al equipo de BD en Columbus, Nebraska. Estamos contratando para múltiples posiciones con elegibilidad de bonos de inicio de trabajo. Nuestro plan de beneficios integral comienza para todos los empleados en su primer día, incluyendo los planes de seguro de bajo o ningún costo para algunas posiciones, las oportunidades de crecimiento de la carrera y más. BD está hecho para lo que viene en la salud y su carrera. Solicite hoy en jobs.bd.com. Jobs.bd.com. It's the bluest room in town Yeah, they're actually funny And the best the sound Through the ups and the downs Yeah, they'll be there waiting For the next time round Find out what it means Everton will break your heart But they're still your team It's far from doom and gloom So tune in now And get involved with the blues It is the weekly here on The Blue Room, the first one of 2021. Hope everybody is enjoying the new year in any way they can so far. At the moment, obviously, bleak times in the city of Liverpool here and across uh, the world, really, still. But, yeah, uh, hoping that it's going to be a good one for Everton, uh, nonetheless. Uh, This should be a good show, anyway. Uh, Joining me, three fantastic guests. Uh, Jake Mills, uh, how are you doing, mate? I'm okay. I like that you said, hope everyone's enjoying the new year. Wow, yeah. What, I mean, what else could I have said? <laughs> it's like when people say Happy New Year and you're like, come on, let's, should we just leave that one this year? Yeah, we'll, we'll give up Happy New Year. Yeah, so, you know, yeah, it's, it's going to be all right at best. <laughs> New Year. <laughs> Paul McPartland joins us. How are you doing, mate? I'm fine, Matt. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad getting by. And Ben Crawford as well, obviously, host of the Monday show over on Blue Room Extra as well. How are you, mate? I'm not bad, Matt. Yourself? Not too bad, mate. We were just sort of saying there before we came on, it's, uh, it's weird when you've Everton played so frequently over Christmas that you go four or five days about them and you think it's been ages since they played a game. But uh, obviously in, in action at the weekend against Rotherham United, midday kickoff in the FA Cup, bit of a weird one that. Um, we'll have a chat about that game a little bit later on. Uh, we'll do a little bit on West Ham, but mainly on Richarlison and how he's been playing recently. And 
and some transfer stuff and some transfer stories as well. But um, it's great that you're on today, actually, Paul, because I know you're really invested and involved in Marine, and it's going to be a big day for, for them on Sunday in the FA Cup, 5 o'clock, they host Tottenham Hotspur. Maybe not as big a day as they would have liked because of what's going on at the moment. There's going to be no supporters there. But um, from what you've seen around the place and people you spoke to who are involved in the football club, uh, how's everything shaping up for the weekend for them? Yeah, I mean, obviously, feel a degree of a simply form because they put so much time and effort into the preparation to ensure the ground was COVID secure and the fans could attend. And then when the, the, uh, the news came through that Merseyside was in tier three, then that just put all that planning in. You know, it it, it was just uh, so frustrating because, you know, what they had done really well in terms of ticket allocation was I think Marine had about 120 season ticket holders. The capacity was 500. They obviously had an allocation for players and for sponsors. I think that left about 200 tickets. And what they were doing was they were contacting people who were not, who had attended the most home games that season and letting, giving them the nod that, look, the ticket's going to be available soon. We'll email you, come down to the club, buy your ticket. So they could have made the killing by putting on, by just putting them on general sale. And I think you, you, might have, you might have heard that the minute the draw was made, Marine's uh, website almost crashed with the number of Tottenham fans trying to buy season tickets to make sure they, they could get a ticket for the cup tie. So, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a tremendous occasion you know, for the club. They've, it's, they've got like a, a weather covering on the pitch at the moment to ensure the game's not called off, could be, um, whether it being frozen or anything like that. I've been told by one or two people who have connections with the club that they're working on a few special tactics for the game. <laughs> and uh, there's, a, there's uh, an indication that they're looking to make a a signing on Friday uh, to bring in for the cup tie because they've lost three players who've been involved in the cup run because they are, they came on loan from Salford. They've gone back to the host club and they've really struggled for numbers. So I think they're looking to bring somebody in. I don't think there's any truth in the room that Carragher's coming back out to retirement and playing the back four for them, but we'll have to wait and see what happens there. But yeah, I mean, I mean, Jake, you live near the ground, don't you? So you, you, can, you must be getting the vibes of how it's going down within the community and it's it, it's all everyone's talking about when you when you walk around now you know uh, what I think we chances on Sunday what I think school's going to be and um, it's going to be a, a fascinating experience for all involved it, yeah it is and I think one of the if you look beyond the actual match itself as well and just for the the community here it's it's a it's a massive blow for obviously the local businesses and the even like the chippies and the, the cafes yeah. and everything else, you know. So, and, and you know, the pub, which would have just made a killing. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a massive, massive shame that we can't be going to see it. But um, that's just, hopefully they just beat Spurs and just get through to the next yeah. round. Like, you know, everyone's saying once in a lifetime, but <laughs> beat Spurs, get through it again. Yeah, they, had, they had a hard game last night, Spurs against Brentford, to be fair. So, yeah, I might just, yeah. might just be resting everyone going, <laughs> going into that one. Uh, but, yeah, best of luck, of course, to Marine on, on Sunday. It'd be amazing if they could get any kind of results in that game. Wasn't fun there. Are they still doing replays in the FA Cup this year or not? Start again, Matt. Are they, are they still doing replays in the Cup this year or not? No, no, no. That's it. And, and, of course, Marine haven't played... Uh, a competitive fixture for about four weeks now because they had an FA Trophy game against Southport. But the league's been... Uh, sorry, they played on Box Day at, at City of Liverpool uh, in like a lo local Merseyside derby. But apart from that, they've not played at all. So you know, Tottenham have got a massive advantage just in terms of they've been playing week in, week out. And uh, the big thing for Marina is going to be uh, on th tomorrow, 
all the players get their COVID tests. Now, bearing in mind that all the Marine players are part-timers, they've all got full-time yeah. jobs, they're all mixing with the public. The, you know, the, the, very, the one outcome <clears throat> that Marine do not want to happen is that a number of the players can't play because they test positive for COVID. So fingers crossed on that one, because that would just be uh, you know, an awful thing to happen to the club and the players. I mean, for most of whom it is a once, you know, the, the phrase once in a lifetime is often overused, but in this occasion, it's quite appropriate. Oh, got to be devastating that one there, getting a COVID test. Oh, God, yeah. Is that, is that usually the, I mean, away from Marine, is that usually the distance between a test and a game? Like, Three. I, think the, I think the clubs do it a lot earlier, don't they? Because I think on City, when their game was postponed, sorry, the Premier League clubs do it a lot earlier. Earlier than that, also there's a bigger yeah. gap. I mean, they just do it a lot more frequently. So, like, they have, like, one of the yeah, twice a week, I think, isn't it, for the Premier League oh, teams? Yeah. So, like, I think City, for example, on that game we got postponed with them, they had tests on the morning, didn't they? And they were waiting on results from tests yeah, from yeah, the morning. Yeah. So, it happens a bit more frequently there. But, um, yeah, you'd be devastated if you got a, a positive yeah. test and couldn't play in that much one year if you're a Marine yeah. player. But like Jake said, uh, hopefully you just knocked them out. So, you know, get them in the next <laughs> round. The Merseyside Derby, you might win for a change. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, best, best of luck on Sunday. But moving attention to, to the top ease, uh, we'll look back before we, we look forward a little bit. Um, sort of we've done a lot of chats about West Ham, Ben, and you know, what went wrong, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, I think one one player that we haven't really spoken about much yet and zero in on much is Richarlison, who is he's having a bit of a, a weird time at the moment, isn't he? I think it's because you, you can sort of say still he's dead important to this side and Everton are a much better side when he's in the team, but him himself is not actually playing that well. Obviously, he scored against Leicester, um, decent goal that night, but apart from that, he's had a few bad moments where he's had, been on the end of rough yeah. tackles. He's had a few. No, I was at the Chelsea game where he had a bit of a to-do with Carlo Ancelotti over the penalty and Carlo effectively said to him, well, get on with it or you're coming off. And then at the weekend, he, you know, sorry, on New Year's Day, he didn't look like he was enjoying his football all too much. Um, what do you think's wrong with him at the moment? I think it's, it's a really, really difficult workout process to do because he's playing what people perceive to be his best position. He's got Dominic Calvert-Lewin ahead of him to supply. But it just doesn't, I don't think it's a lack of effort. It just seems like there's something wrong in Everton's build-up play to me because maybe he, more than anyone else on the pitch, is really missing the influence of having Luca Dean like flying the other side. Because I think one thing that Richarlison does do, he, he does play, obviously, in, in the team as a winger, but he does drift inside a lot. And I think if you're drifting inside as a forward and you've got nobody offering the overlap, which, which to be fair, get, you know, Ben Godfrey is he's not a left-back, so he shouldn't be expected to go forward like that, I think it really cuts down his options about what he can do. I, I'm interested to hear what the thoughts of the other lads are on, on this because with Richarlison, I've always nailed me colours to the mass when I've always said, I think Richarlison is a striker. And I kind of bought into the whole thing at the start of the season when we were playing really well. It looked like we were going to win the league where he was playing left side in the front three. And that seemed to really work. Well, haven't seen it now and seen the only, he's always got five goals this season. I think only two of them were in the league. And one of them was a penalty. I'm wondering not whether to get the best out of Charleston, we need to try and play him back up front as a striker. I know there's different arguments about the formations and whether 4-3-3 is best, whether we actually want to go back to a 4-4-2 like we did last year when we were struggling. But for me, I just think it's interesting that this season, compared to last, he's playing in what's perceived to be his best position on the left-hand side. And he's not getting as much joy with last season. 
he was our player of the season playing in the majority as a striker. So just interested to see if any of the other lads really think that there could be a way of sh- not shoehorning but getting him back in more of a central area so that he can maybe add to the goals. If Calvert-Lewin's goals dry up from time to time, which any young striker, it's going to happen. You need someone else to be able to provide a goal score threat. And we just haven't seen that from Richarlison as much since he's moved onto the left-hand side. Yeah, I think on, on that opening day of the season, Jay probably played Spurs, although he was very wasteful in that game. He should have scored a couple of goals. I do remember thinking, like, bloody hell, he looks incredible on this left-hand side. You know, he ran there with he ragged all day. He was driving in field. He was going around the outside. And you thought, you know, this is, this is really going to work for him. And he's played well in games this season where he, where he hasn't scored. But I don't know, it, he's never someone you look at and think, you know, you know, I think I think Brazilians and South Americans get put in a, in a box of the you know they enjoy the football and they play with that sort of you know that, that sort of samba style. But I think sometimes he does look a bit moody with Charleston, and, and maybe that's when we get we get the best out of him. But yeah, I, was just, I, I, go I on, thought mate, you were going to say playing with a smile, and I was going to say I don't think he's ever played with a smile. <laughs> he never uh, does. Never. <laughs> no. But I, I I agree to be honest with you. I think um, I think he is happy when he's scoring. Yeah. Um, but I think it's it, it's 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 a funny one, really, because I think I think I actually agree entirely with Ben. With possibly um, as a caveat, I think it's it's mixing, it's swapping and changing. And I think Cal Calvert Lewin was doing the job that Richarlison is doing now, and Richarlison was was scoring the goals. Yeah. yeah, and now it's the opposite, and so we're focusing on Calvert Lewin saying he's he's banging the goals in, but Richarlison's been absolutely critical in the amount of goals that Calvert Lewin has scored, and I do think, and I, I think I might have read something that Carlo was saying that he will eventually swap them round and allow um, Calvert Lewin to be on the on the side and and uh, Richarlison scoring the actual goals. And I do think that's probably what's needed at the moment is more more than anything to, to gain the confidence in the player again, to actually be getting on the score sheet and to be getting a couple of goals in his favour, to give him that, that sense of wanting to play. And Because I always feel, I always felt sorry for Calvert-Lewin when he was on the wing because he started getting stick. And, well, Matthew would always one who would be standing up for him anyway and saying the amount of work that you do. But as a player, that must be quite frustrating. I just think, I think it might be time now because Calvert-Lewin arguably is having a bit of a dry spell um, compared to his his, uh, form at the start of the season. So maybe it's the time now to allow Richarlison to play that central role again to get a few goals and then swap it back. And that's what that's what good teams do. It's what good managers do is they're able to swap those players. And even if that's within a game, you can do that as well. But I just think if he was to start to get a few goals, uh, f- probably from that central position, we might see uh, that play it again. And, and also... Hopefully, in that central position, he wouldn't be getting knocked as much as yeah. as he is. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure that this narrative that is out there at the moment about him going down constantly is actually as accurate as people are making it out to be. It used to be. He used to be that player. We all. I think we all said he needs to be standing up more. Hmm. I don't think he's going down that much, but he's just getting whacked constantly on that wing. So I don't know. I think maybe just giving him a chance and that a short spell in the central role would be good for him and the team. I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree. I agree with, uh, with what, uh, what Jake and Ben have both said there. I think as Ben points out, the you know, the 
the lack of the partnership with Dina has made a big difference to Richardson this season because that partnership was very productive and has been for the past two seasons for the club. And uh, I think, as Jake points out there as well, it's whether Richardson feels better coming inside as a striker and giving DCL a break or not as a way forward. We're not quite sure. I mean, the bare facts are quite concerning, aren't they? I mean, look, he's been our top scorer for the last two seasons. You know, he scored, what, 13 goals in 36 games last season. That's what, if my maths is right, that's a goal every three games almost. This season, he's got two goals in 12. That's a goal every six games. So the goals are certainly dried up. Whether it's because Ancelotti wants to be playing a different way and his main function now is to provide the service for DCL, I'm not quite sure. But um, I know Richardson never looks like he enjoys his football, but at times, I think in the West Ham game in particular, it was obviously kind of the, the look on his face. Like he just wasn't enjoying the experience at all. He was running down blind alleys far too often, which he has a tendency to do very occasionally. And his final pass is... Uh, was just missing sometimes. I mean, is he 23 now, Richardson? Yeah, I think so. Same age as DC Albo, 23. Yeah, so he's still a young player. So young players go through dips in their form. He's not like an experienced striker, 28, 29, who's been there, done that. And I think, looking back at our season, kind of developed, the international break was... was uh, was the high high water point for us, wasn't it? Because since the break and the players have come, the South medical players in particular have come back, they've not performed at the same level as they were performing before the international break. So I think it is a concern with Charles. And I think, I, you know, like you were saying, Jake, I, I would like to see him get a, a bit of a spice. And I think the Rotherham game, they got opportunities to actually play up front as the main striker yeah, and, and give DCL a break and, and, and see how that pans out. Uh, because, you know, in terms of forward options, we're certainly lacking, aren't we? You know, uh, so yeah, be interested how that pans out. But I don't buy into the, I mean, the criticism he was getting after the West Ham game. I thought was appalling. You know, he's been our best player for the past two oh, seasons. Yeah. I mean, the guy's built up a bank of credit for me. He's allowed to have the, you know, the, the odd game with this below those standards. He's 23. Most clubs in Europe would bite our hand off taking Charleston away from us. So, you know, I think we need to do our best to give him his chance to come out of this, this different form and get back to the standards we know he's capable of reaching. Yeah, I think a little bit of the frustration comes from the fact that I think we all sort of thought that this was going to be the year where he just sort of explode as a footballer, you know, 23, he's had a couple of years at, at the club, maybe, you know, I, I remember in the summer, everyone was sharing that bet, that Sky bet, it was like 66 to 100 to score 20 goals, and it's like, oh, it's a nap now, he's obviously going to score 20 goals this season, he's box. <laughs> and I think I probably, what was that, sorry? I put that on. Did you? <laughs> yeah, you never know, mate, we have a great end to the campaign, yeah. Um, but, if, but I think if, if, we're, if we were all feeling that about him, he's probably felt that as well going into this season, hasn't he? And, and when you're not the when you're not the main man, and, and when you know James comes in and, and does, you know, I, I imagine the manager would have gone into the season still with the idea that he's going to be the the main point of that of our attack. But just sort of through natural progression of Dominic Carvalho and Rodriguez coming in and doing so well, it sort of shifted a little bit. And you know, in the early part of the season, because we had the best creator in the league and the best goal scorer in the league, you have to take a bit of a, a back seat, and a lot of the play didn't go, necessarily go down his side. Yeah, I, I think the situation with the penalty as well shows he wants to score. He wants. He goals. looks desperate to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know what? Do you know what the match? He does. So, he looks like he needs a goal to make put that smile back on his face. Sorry yeah. to interrupt you, lads, but he, it wasn't that long ago he scored. Leicester wasn't ages away. I know, yeah, yeah. We're not talking about 10, 15, yeah. <laughs> 15 games. You know, he, he scored recently, and I, I remember when he scored that goal, thinking what you are saying now. Like, now he's got that goal, he's going to kick on again, he's going, and he's going to be sound. But if anything, he's got probably a little bit worse since then. Maybe it's, maybe it's just in the position now, 
and and as I said, with the narrative that's out there as well, uh, teams are able to get away with a little bit more, hitting them a little bit more, um, and so it's it's just harder for them. You know, maybe maybe people have got onto it, worked it out a little bit, and that's why you've got to change it up and you've just got to give them another chance. And I do think you need to have a. I, I know I, I I know what you're saying there, but I just think it's it's more a, a run of goals is what he he wants. And I said he. He, he, he's a Brazilian striker. He wants to be scoring goals. And he's probably looking at Dom thinking, where have you come from? Where am I going? So, I don't know. Maybe maybe we do see it at the weekend that he becomes that striker. And, but I don't, think he'd be, I, I don't think he'd be happy getting a hat-trick against Rotherham. I think he'll want to be then going on and, and scoring them in the Premier League. Well, yeah. But at least if he scores against Rotherham, Jake, he's making the point, isn't he? So, you know, oh, yeah. it, 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 it gets the fans off his back then as well. And I think, you know, if he scores that Rotherham game, then, uh, you know, hopefully that, that sets him up for a far more productive second half of the season for us. Yeah, it's been a weird season for him, hasn't it, with international breaks, injuries, suspensions, all sorts yeah. going on. So, uh, you know, listen, I don't think any of us are sitting here saying offload them in this window or <laughs> by anything. <laughs> just, just having a chat about the player's form. Um, <laughs> that's absolutely fine. Uh, but we'll have a little chat about some transfer stories before we get into speaking about the, the game at the weekend. Um, obviously, that time of year when it starts to, to ramp up. Uh, outgoing first, I'll, I'll come to you on this one, Ben. Uh, reports on Moise Keane. Uh, Sky saying we've, well, Everton are expecting a bit of around £31 million for him. Um, I think Paddy in the Athletic and the Liverpool Echo today have said that Everton are expecting a bid, but would probably want a, a little bit more than that. Um, where, where do you stand on, on this one? Do you, you're happy to see him go? Is that, is that amount of money acceptable or do you still feel like there might be a future for him at Everton? I think if it was down to his pure ability, I'd like to see him back at Everton in the summer. To be honest with you, I was quite disappointed when we let him go in the first place, especially on a loan deal to Paris Saint-Germain. He's probably exceeded my expectations the way he's actually played and how many times he played for Paris. And to have him to come back into the squad, given the fact that we're hoping that we might qualify for Europe and the players you've already mentioned that we've already got in the squad. But unfortunately, I can't see a scenario. And I said this the second he signed for Paris Saint-Germain. I can't see him kicking a ball for Everton. Again, I just can't see the player being happy to. I can't see him coming back from Paris Saint-Germain and wanting to play football for Everton. I know that sounds a bit downbeat on Everton, but at the end of the day, he's not an Evertonian. He's not even... You know, he's not even grown up in England watching the Premier League that much. He, to him, Paris Saint-Germain is quite clearly a massive, massive opportunity. And I, I expect him to do everything he can to stay in terms of the money that we're talking about to let him go. It's probably about where I'd expect negotiations to start. To be honest with you, I don't think we should be taking a loss on him. Certainly wouldn't accept what just getting the money back that we've paid from. So I don't think that's very sustainable. You know, we seem, you know, to be ripped off a lot by clubs when we're buying players so I think really we should play, keep our cards close to our chest and try and negotiate the best deal for Everton like I think you've alluded to there the echo said today you know there's no rush from Everton's side at the end of the day he's on a long term contract whether they sell him now or whether they sell him in the summer if it's the right price it's the right price they're in no rush to do business I just I can't see a single scenario where he ends up coming back and playing for Everton and being happy about it I think the second he leaves on loan the Paris Saint-Germain I think is the second that we realise you've not got a future at the club as much as someone like myself like I've said I really would like him to come back to the club and really because I mean I think we could do with him now truth be told I think you know oh, there's a little bit of injury you know you look at Tosin as our only striker 
somebody said in one of the last games, you know, on, on Twitter, they were saying, I wish we just had that in January, the money's gone, but buy that striker who can also play on the wing or drop deep up, just add a few more, like 10 goals a season to the... And that's exactly what Moise Keane could have done. So it was a strange one for me to let him go in the first place. But I can't see him having a future at Everton. In terms of the money to let him go, anything that's a profit, I think Everton will listen to. But you are dealing with you know, the oil company that is Paris Saint-Germain. If you can't you know, rinse them for it unnecessarily big fee, you're not going to have trouble. <laughs> you're going to have trouble selling anybody. Because you know, if, if, if we go in for anybody, you know, say we went in for James Ward-Prowse, who's probably a £40 million player, Southampton will go, oh, we want £80 million for him. So I think it's about time we turn the tables and do the similar kind of things to PSG and demand the top dollar. Yeah, uh, I suppose the, the, only, the only day, I agree with pretty much everything Ben said there, Paul, but I suppose the, the only danger is if, you know, Pochettino may not fancy him towards the end of the season. Progressive presents Married to Your Home. I'm such a screw-up. What? House? Why would you talk like that? How are you even with a house without a walk-in closet? Stop. You have more than enough storage. Oh, yeah. And the unfinished basement. Gross. We'll finish it eventually. Together. No matter how much you already love your house, you'll love it more knowing you could save big bundling your home and auto with Progressive. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. You get caught. He's been out injured for a lot of the campaign. He's, he's going to come back and might be ahead of Keane in, in the pecking order again. So the minute he's got early in the campaign, maybe might dry up a little bit towards the end, um, obviously with the quality PSG have got there already. So... I could sort of see why Everton would be tempted to take the money and run in January. Uh, where do you stand on it? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought Ben's analysed the situation quite well there, but I think, as you mentioned there with Pochettino, if it turns out that, you know, Moise Ken is not going to be a regular stars on the Pochettino, then I think that makes the process of having come back to Everton a bit more likely. Um, but, yeah, I thought it was strange with 11 goals on low, particularly so late in the transfer window when we had a little move, a little move from Manuva to bring everybody back in to take his place. If we were to sell him, I think we also insert a massive sell-on clause to make sure we benefit from any future dealings with him. And also, the, the money being mentioned at the moment was £31 million. I mean, Liverpool sold Solanke to Bournemouth for £22 million. They scored one goal in the Premier League. They sold Brewster to Sheffield United for £18 million. He's only scored pounds. two, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, was, yeah but, but, you know, bearing in mind, he's, you know, he, if Paris Saint-Germain are interested in him, and as Ben said, they're not, they're not short of a euro or two, are they? So we hang on for the best possible deal because we're in a no-lose situation. You know, we, we, you know, if we sell them and get a decent fee, people are happy because I think he's not happy with the club anyway. If he comes back after season's loan and he's, he's a much improved player, we benefit from that. Then that also helps us as well. But I think the one thing I'm certain about is if we do sell him in January, we can't sell him without another striker coming in because we desperately need some cover up front. And whether there's sort of in the PSG squad as a part X deal, I, I don't know. But just to sell him for about uh, Mbappe? In, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, do, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. Would but it's okay. <laughs> but, but I'd have a just a game back no question I, and I suppose the question is whether Mbappé would get into our team or not isn't it but uh, yeah it's, <laughs> but, but yeah I mean was picking it. <laughs> <laughs> but no but definitely I think you know we, we need to um, if he goes in January then, then we need to have someone so, a, a plan for someone to come in as a backup forward for the club because I think the lack of firepower as the season drags on is could cost us dear yeah, it's, it's disappointing, isn't it, Jake, that we're sort of sat here talking like this about Keane? Because, you know, 18 months ago, we were all so excited that we'd managed to prize his lad out of the events and get him to the football club. And 
you know, a Saturday he scored two Premier League goals and, you know, we're sort of saying that there's, there's absolutely no way he's coming back to the football club. Yeah, like, it's, I, I think it says speaks volumes, though, you know, and I, I'm, I'm somebody who I, I always back the underdog, I think, being an Evertonian, that's what we do anyway, you know, we made Strakolasi a, a, a hero, so, you know, we give people chances, but I think, I, yeah, I agree that I was surprised that he went so late. I think what I was more surprised is that he went without a replacement. I think it, it is probably, again, speaks volumes of how happy he was that we let him go. Um, and I think bringing him back is as much a risk as getting somebody else with the money that we would get. But that's the most important thing to me is that we have to use that money and we have to invest it in a striker because I know there's argument about a right back positions. But as we've just said there, you know, on Saturday and across Christmas, really, you know, I know we won the Sheffield United game, but we didn't look like scoring. And on Saturday, or whenever it was, because I don't even know any days, when we played West Ham... Friday, you um, think it was. Friday, <laughs> we took off Dominic Avaloon and brought on Tosin. And for me, that's where you need to spend the money, because once you take off Dom, and what we've just said about Richardson and the, and the formers at the moment, you're basically surrendering that game to say we're not going to score. So... Would they take 31 million? In all honesty, they probably would take 31 million, but let's try and get more. Let's, do the, let's not just do whatever and do and just say, all right, thanks very much. But I'd probably, I'd, if we can get more in January, I'd probably do that, to be honest with you. And you look at, you know, I've, I've always said, you know, you don't get anyone good in January, but I think you look at people that Liverpool have had in January, I think Fernandez was a January signing for United. You can get people yeah. in January. So I would hope that they've already earmarked a few people and used the money and invested it into bringing somebody in. And I think with Carlo Ancelotti as your manager, I, I don't think you can get away with not doing that um, because he's, he's certainly put put the points across with some of the, the subs in the squad and the fact that we have two keepers on the bench every game at the moment says says it all about our squad. Our squad's not good enough. So, as I said, it's a much a risk for me bringing them back as, as going and trying to get somebody else in. Yeah, I suppose, like I said, if you bring him back and you get him in the squad for next season and he, you know, he's not playing games because he's behind Dom in the pecking order and he's not doing very well, then all of a sudden your assets, the value, it's going down again and again, isn't it? So you end up with like a, a Luckman type of situation. Yeah, you know, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I definitely let him go. Um, it's just how much we can get for him. Yeah, that is you know, obviously a disappointing situation, but yeah, we'll have to wait and see. And of course, the, the other thing I want to be too boring is that the, the finances came out in the towards the end of last year, and it was a hundred and forty million loss for for the year. Um, you know. That's going to have to be complicated. <laughs> I know, yeah, I know. Still yeah. no yeah. January dreams there, Matt. I, I wish we could just <laughs> splash money like footy manager, mate, but um, <laughs> sadly not, sadly not. Uh, but one, one player who's been linked with essentially arriving at the club is Sammy Kadira. Um, not really one I'd be too keen on, to be, to be honest, lads. I mean, I don't know where you are with it. I just, I'm not entirely sure bringing in another midfielder. He's probably more of a box-to-box midfielder than a sitting midfielder on big wages wouldn't necessarily be the, the right thing. I, I read a report today that, that he, you know, Juventus could potentially buy him out of his contract and then he would be free to sign a six-month deal, which, you know, that would be all right, I think, but anything longer than that, I'd probably be 
a little bit wary of. Um, Paul, what do you think about that one, mate? Would you like to see Kadira come in? Well, I think I don't think mid, the midfield is an area of concern for me at the moment. So I think I think we've got an, enough strength and depth in our, in our midfield. Um, so, okay, I mean, I mean, if you bring in an experienced player of Kadira's standard for six months on a, you know, uh, and we don't pay a fee, I suppose you could could make the case that there's nothing to lose with that. But I think, as we've all agreed upon before, we need to bring a striker in. That That, that is the one crying need that the, the club has to get us through the second half of the season. I mean, if I was given choice for Ericsson or Kadira, because I know Ericsson's kind of being linked to us now, I, I think Ericsson poses a bit more of a goal scorer threat than Kadira. So uh, if, if that was a possibility, I, I, I'd show a bit more interest in that. But, you know, the um, it's... it's a, yeah, you have to trust the manager that he knows the type of player that he wants. If in Carlo's mind he can see a role for Kadira in the side, or if he sees him as an impact midfielder, then fine. But if you're asking me, is a midfield signing a priority? My, my answer would be no. No, I think our, our priority is a striker of some form, type, or description. What about you, Ben? I mean, it's a very lazy thing to say, and I hate it when other people say this, but. I'm going to say it anyway. If Carlo Ancelotti wants him, then I'm happy with that. And that is, I hate people saying that. But at the end of the day, it is like having, why would you have someone like Ancelotti in charge if then he's banging on door saying, I want this player and you don't get him. But obviously, we're not going to pay a big fee for him. We might pay big wages on the short-term contract. But if Ancelotti thinks he can make the difference, he can make the difference. Because the thing for me is, especially given the situation we are in the league right now, you know, we're well up there, well in the mix, even with the top four. It's, it's times like this, January windows like this, where you've already, you're already on the road to achieving something. You've got to have that little bit extra. So if it was, say, Matt, if you were to give me the choice of we sign him or no one, then I'd, rather, I'd still rather have him. It's not a case for me of should we bring him in about, about the wages, should we bring him in because he's injury prone. If we've got somebody better to bring in, then absolutely. But if it's a case of we're not going to buy anyone but him, I would have him because I think if he stays fit, he is quality option, I think Ancelotti would only get the best out of him. And at the moment, I know I get Paul's point there about the midfield, he's dead right, but I think there's a big difference with, we've got a lot of strength, we've got a lot of depth, but I don't know whether we've got a lot of strength. I know people have been complimenting about Tom Davis, etc., which is another debate for another time. But I don't, I still don't think our midfield is that good, especially given the injuries where we're at liberty to turn down players like Kidir and say, oh, it's alright, we, we don't need them, because at the end of the day, anything that's going to strengthen the squad even by an extra man just give us that little bit of quality you know or a little bit of defensive solidity because I as like a hold midfielder then I'm all for it as long as Carlo wants it I'll, but I'll back him and you know it'd be quite exciting to get somebody over the line this month to be honest I can't see much happening at many clubs Yeah I think the, the, the thing for, for me Jay, you're sort of like I, was, I was doing a bit of research on Kadira I went on that transfer markets website which sort of documents yeah. players injuries and on there Kadira as I said page one of four to start off, which was <laughs> a bit like Hamez, isn't it? Yeah, which was a bit yeah. of a one. No, I think I do think Hamez has got four to be fair, mate. No, but, you know, I, I think you know, I, I agree with what Ben's saying in regards to the, the manager, obviously, knows him well. When he gets on the pitch, he's probably got something to offer us still. But I just I shudder at the thought of having another player who's fair, I think he's 34 in April, who's on inflated wages, who's not kicking a ball for us. Like like Fabian Delph, you know. But when when we signed when we signed Delph, all the conversation was conditioned by if he's fit, yeah, this is what he might be able to do. And we all thought we can get him fit, get him in the team, and he'll be able to do a job. But 
players of that ilk, especially when they get to this age in the career, they don't really ever lose that that injury proneness for, for want of a better way of putting it. I think that's a difference uh, because I think he gets in the team. You know, I, I think he would again looking at that. Even West if Alan was fit. Well, yeah. that, that's the thing is that we've got we've got. Do you not so, think he plays deeper though? Say we played the four three three, Jake. Do you not think that we'd play Kadira as the sitter and that would allow Alan to play a bit further forward? Because I think we've all kind of said that Alan might give us a little bit more of an option going forward rather than sitting deep. And 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 he hasn't at the moment. And then you look at the other players like, all right, yes, there's a, there's a thing about Tom Davis, although I I think he's done well. I, I don't know how well he will continue to be. I think Gomez has come on and looked quite good recently, but I do think that he would get in the squad. My I've said this before. My my view on transfers and where Everton have gone wrong in the past is that you you need to look at your team and you need to say, is this player better than what we've currently got? Will this player improve what we've currently got? Regardless of age, doesn't matter. Are they going to be better? And then they're going to get us to that next stage. As Ben said, are they going to get us to Champions League? And then once you're in that Champions League, then you get better than them. And you get better than them and you get younger players on a longer contract. The, the problem that we've had in the past is that these type of players, we've signed up for about eight years. <laughs> <laughs> that's where we've struggled in the past what you need to be doing is giving them a, a year contract let them see how they get on but then you're not tied to it so if they are injury prone and, and turn into a, a, a Fabian Delft type of role which is you know it's, it's a shame for, for everyone then it's you're not losing too much from that but if he can play a bit part even for six months to get us over that line, to get us that next stage, Ancelotti and European football, or ideally Champions League football, will be enough to bring in better players. So if we can just, we know, we, we all agree, because we've all watched it, our squad is poor. And if we suffer the injuries like what we just have, our, our options are so poor. So we need better options just to get us through this next stage of the season. Once you get there, then thank you. Great. You know, if you, if you want to give them another year, you can do, but you can, you can only, you can only kind of go into these type of contracts or these type of players by giving them a short term contract to say, what can you do? Can you help us get to that next stage? And then you bring in better. So if, if Kadira said, I'll happily sign four years, but I want 18 months. Would you still go with it then? Or would it, would it have to be that short-term a deal? Like six I think 18 months is as, is as drastic as a, as a three-year contract. Um, but I probably would. 18 months, I'd, I'd say that's the, that's the top of where you want to be at, really. Yeah. But I, I think we did that in the contract. There'd be, there'd be a, a clause about if you don't make a certain number of appearances, then, then the money that you earn goes down. Because with an injury... I mean, I don't mind playing inflated wages for footballers who play week in, week out. So I do object to playing inflated wages for players who hardly touch the ball in an Everton share. Fabian Del being the prime example of that. Yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting if he'd sign that sort of deal. But obviously, if he is effectively a free agent, then there'll be all sorts of mad options in there, wonder from various clubs offering him stuff. So 
yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that one. Uh, plenty more transfer stuff to come over the next few weeks. Well, hey, Disco's made for a while. That's one I'd be, be dead interested in. Uh, I think we've given up on Disco, haven't we, unfortunately? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, but I think that's the sort of player I'd rather take a gamble on, if you get what I mean. You know, he's still quite young. Still wasn't too long ago. He was one of the best play, attacking players in the world. Yeah, but we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, let's, let's have a chat about the game on, on Saturday. Uh, 12 o'clock noon kickoff. Uh, first of all, it's <laughs> not really set, setting the pulses racing. Uh, but I'll, I'll come to you first on, on this, Jake. How, how strong do you think Everton go in this one? Obviously, they've got Wolves in midweek after it, which I imagine will be at the forefront of the manager's mind. But feels it does feel like maybe a good opportunity to get Obviously, Hammers back in the team. Um, and then you've got Dom and Richarlison, who, as we've both spoken about at the start of the, the show, could probably both do with a goal. Um, what, what sort of lineup do you think we'll see at the weekend? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, I had the ticket for the um, Man City game, which obviously got cancelled. And then when they gave an option to go to the Rotherham game instead, I was devastated. So, I'm to go now. The way, the way City played against Chelsea, you bet you're glad you didn't go and watch us play. I know. I, know. Um, I, I don't know. I've always been um, of the of the mindset that you start strong and, and take players off rather than go the opposite way. I don't think it will be a full-strength side. Um, but we've had players who are looking knackered. We've had players who are looking, uh, I don't know, a little bit rusty. And players like... Uh, you know, Seamus Coleman against West Ham is pretty poor, but I think we'll see Coleman in there. I think we've changed a lot of systems and we've changed a lot of formations, especially with the defence. So I think he'll probably use it as a way of reintroducing players and, and a system that he wants to be going back towards. Um, we might see um, Godfrey in, in actually his position. Like that. To, that was the one thing I was going to say, mate. I want to see him at centre-back. I, I think it's a perfect chance to do that because I think he's he's done himself really proud um, in what he has done and I'd like to see him actually in position. Um, so I think it'll be a mid to, to strong team. Yeah, it'd be fairly strong. I'd imagine that we will see the likes of Richarlison. We might not see DCL, um, but yeah, I think it'll be a fairly strong. I think the likes of Sigerson, maybe Tom Davis we might see. I think he's just going to give people a chance to to prove themselves and, and ideally get that shape again to, to say, remember how to play with each other. Yeah, uh, it'd be nice to have Hamas back, wouldn't it, Paul? Yeah, I mean, the, the Colombian press is clamouring for him to be given his opportunity against Rotherham because they're saying he's suffering a crisis of confidence at the moment and he really needs to start playing and the Rotherham game is a perfect opportunity to, to come back in and get to the levels that he was before before uh, the international uh for the international fixtures, so yeah, it's it's it's. I think Hamish should play. I wouldn't play him the whole game. I'll give him 50, 60 minutes just 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 to get used to performing again at that level. Because I think his confidence is suffering from 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 being out of the side and also the side winning when he's not on the side as well. Because that has kind of raised a number of age-old question marks about Hamish whether teams perform better with him or without him. So Columbia Press definitely wants him playing again. Interesting point that I, I love Jake's story there about the banner for Rotherham because I was wondering actually whether Everton would have sold out the 2,000 tickets for that game and not given the time of the kickoff as well and given the opposition. Because, uh, but in, in, terms, in terms of the FA Cup, I, 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 was, I was lucky, unlucky enough to get tickets for the Man United game. And it was such a crushing blow to be knocked out the, the Caribou Cup at that stage in the quarter final. So I think 
it's got to be a relatively strong side we play against Rotherham United because we can't afford any slip-ups. If we lost that game, the season's effectively over, isn't it? You know? <laughs> so, well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well you know, we, we, we can all dream mass, you know, and, and uh, <clears throat> without uh, acting like the father of the house here, I've seen Everson Championship with the teams and the one we've got the moment is nowhere near that level. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, uh, we, 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 we have to play a, a relatively strong side. That's what, the question for me is, right, and I know you think I bang on about this guy all, all the time, Cheng Tosin, if he's still going to be with the club, do we play him in the cup tie? Do, do we actually give him more than three minutes on the pitch? Do we give him a chance to show that he can make a contribution for the second half of the season? Or if you're going to sell him, fine, don't, don't bother with it, but I, I, I think it's, it's got to be one, one or the other. And I'd like to see Nkonku back again on the left side of defence. I, I, I think that lad deserves an opportunity. I'd also like to see Andy Gordon start the game as well. I'm kind of looking at some of the teams we put out against Fleetwood and Salford and thinking, yeah, that's the kind of team I'd like to see put out in this game. The, a balance between experienced regulars and players with a point to prove who maybe can just you know, grasp that opportunity. But the one thing we can't afford to do is lose against Rotham. I mean, uh, our, our cup run since that semi-final in, in 2016 has been quite poor, hasn't it? Uh, so it'd be great to have an FA Cup run. Even just to get to a semi-final, would be something. We, you know, there's possibility we could be cut off some fans back in the crowd in, in stages by then. So yeah, but yeah, we just have to go for it on the third. Yeah, it's just nice to not be playing Liverpool at Anfield in the third round for a change. Yeah, yeah, we've had that like yeah. four years in a row. Yeah. <laughs> well, but with that, 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 I think you've just put the mockers on there. We'll probably get them in the fourth round away now. You know. Well, they're doing the fourth round and fifth round draw together, aren't they, on Monday? Or so. Yeah. So that, that would be interesting. What, what about you, Ben? Any anyone you want to see, or anyone in any particular position you want to see on Saturday? Um, you know what? I kind of agree with Paul because I want to see us go as strong as possible with the caveat that I think DTL needs a rest. I actually disagree with the lads, well, well with you, Paul, when you say about James Rodriguez, because just coming back to fitness, I, I think I'd much rather have him available for the Wolves game, and I don't know how fit he is to play two games in three years at the moment. If he's going to be able to play, like Paul said, 50 to 60 minutes and then come off and then be fresh for the Wolves game and fit and fire, and then fantastic. But I, I don't know whether this is the kind of game, James Rodriguez as well, I think, yeah, you know, not not to stereotype it too much, but you know, you're playing a lower league opposition at home. There may be tendencies there to maybe leave a foot in or for it to be a bit more of a rough game than maybe a Premier League game would because of the VAR and everything like that. So I don't know how comfortable I'd be with him starting that game. I certainly think I'd like to go strong in other areas of the pitch. I think Richarlison probably needs to start and probably for me, like we alluded to earlier in the show, probably needs to play as a striker. So I think you then allow the likes of Anthony Gordon to play off the left. If Awobi's back, play him on the right. If not, okay, you've got a decision to make there with Hammers. I agree with you as well, Matt, when you say that Ben Godfrey deserves finally a performance in his right position at centre-half. And Kunku coming back, that would be good as well. But, you know, as much as we can change from our normal team, but making sure we get the result. Because like Paul said, I wouldn't quite say the season would be over. But you know what? The FA Cup this season, it's really... It's like any cup competition. Anyone can have a good run in it. If you get the luck of the draw and you pick up the right results at the right time, you can worm your way you know, into a semi-final and then you're only a game away. So for me, the FA Cup has to be priority, just like the Carabao Cup has to be priority. So for me, as strong as we can go with the caveat that I probably would start DCL because he's looking a bit jaded, although I would keep him on the bench. And I probably would resist the temptation to start Hammers and keep him fresh for the Wolves game. But again, keep him on the bench 
in case things are going really pear-shaped and we need an injection of quality later on. Yeah, I think I, I, it's, it's just interesting listening to you there because I, I always do that as well. I go, right, I want us to be as strong as possible, but I want to rest this player and I want to see this player <laughs> and that player. I think, I think we all do it, don't we, throughout the court? You know, I want to see Nkunku play. I want to see uh, whoever else play. But uh, yeah, that, that's an interesting one. Just, I, I, I just I, want to win without any injuries. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I think he might go the other way with Palmer's though. And we'll look at it as, you know, this, this could be a good chance to give him an hour to get himself, you know, back up to the speed of it and fit. And then I, I think he goes to Wolves with the view of being defensively tight and not conceding. And he might be on the bench for that. And he might bring him on later on to try and swing that game for us if, if we need to. But, you know, who, who knows? We'll have to wait and see. I just want to watch the lad play again because he clearly wasn't fit, was yeah. he, when it came to the watching him play. Yeah. You know, it felt like a bit of a desperation move, that, to be fair. But it'd be great to see him back in the side again. Uh, but yeah, uh, we are out of time today. Uh, thanks very much for coming on. Thanks very much for watching on YouTube. If you are watching on YouTube, cheers for listening as well. Um, you can listen to us the podcast, give us a rate and give us a review. All those things help um, in the grand scheme of things. But cheers to Jake for and Ben. That's been your weekly show. We'll be back again soon to talk about the top eight. Northern Tool and Equipment isn't just a store, it's a problem solver's paradise. Fully stocked with the right professional grade tools and fully staffed with experts who have the right answers. Problem solved. Northern Tool and Equipment Summer Sale is on now. Stop in and save up to 50% on pressure washers, sprayers, generators, fans, lawn and garden equipment, and more. Hundreds of deals in store or at northerntool.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.